Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this April the 8th in the year of our Lord 2021. Almost forgot what the day was there. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is our date man, Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about Easter these days, and we're going to be talking a lot about what some pastor thinks Easter is all about. Mm. And it's really unfortunate what this pastor has to say. Um, Let me just say this. This is a quote. The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. That was an Easter sermon. Wow. Yeah, when I saw that, I I, I just couldn't hardly believe it. I, I mean, we, we Easter sermon in a Christian congregation. In, in fact... Um, it's important who said this. We don't like getting into political issues, but when a politician speaks against Christianity, then people need to know who it is, what he is saying, and was there ever a backlash against what he had to say? Would you please introduce who this politician is? Well, it's Senator Raphael Warnock from Georgia, who, who just was uh, elected this past January in a runoff election in Georgia. And he's also a pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church there in the South, where uh, Martin Luther King was also pastor at. And uh it appears just not just only from that statement, but from other statements that he made that he tries to straddle the fence between being a politician and a pastor. And it gets, as you can see from the statement that we're going to evaluate, it is, it's very much blurred. I have never found a pastor who becomes a politician that isn't really liberal. In other words, there are plenty of pastors who speak politically very conservative, but it appears that once they become a politician, the way they get elected is by taking a very liberal point of view, anti-biblical, and there's certainly not individuals that we would want as pastors of our congregation. Well, what's well, really... I, a, I agree with you. I, I, do you wonder if if they're trying to bridge the gap somehow that we can somehow bridge the gap between political world and, and the world itself versus uh, uh, their Christian faith? Well, we've talked about law and gospel a lot, obviously, on this program because it's called law and gospel. Right. And the distinction is those who think you can be saved by obeying the law totally contradicts Scripture. Galatians 3 is very clear 
that nobody can be saved by obedience to the law, that one is saved instead the same way Abraham was, by trusting the promises of God. And therefore, for a pastor to come out and indicate that, therefore, Jesus' resurrection isn't as important to save you as it is you helping others and are able to save yourself. I agree. I mean, that... I thought that uh, we had kind of left that behind three weeks ago when we talked about that uh, uh, pastor, female pastor that uh, had John three sixteen messed up, and and now you you go right to the heart of the resurrection itself this week that uh, that uh, that's less important and working your way to heaven is more important. Is, is it any wonder that the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, have left the church? Yes, with, with preachers like this, why would you want to stay in the church where, guess what happens? It's, it's not that important what people are saying or what they're believing, especially about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, a little background here. Uh, you, you mentioned this was an election in Georgia. Depending on that election, there were two individuals that had to get a majority, and so there was a runoff, and he ran uh, against an individual who was pro-life. We now know he is not pro-life. He is for the murder of children in the womb, and he's in the church where Martin Luther King was once pastor. Now, some years ago, when they began to have Martin Luther King Mondays, you know, in the year as a holiday, I was preaching the Sunday before, and I didn't mention ML King at all. And I had quite a few number of black people who were members of the congregation, and one of them came to me, and she kind of complained that I hadn't mentioned anything about ML King's day. And I hadn't because I tried to keep away from politics and this sort of thing, but I began to study him more, and regardless Mm. of what you might feel about other areas, Martin Luther King was definitely pro-life, and now they've got a pastor in that church that is pro-death to children, and he has become a senator, which means the Democrats have control of the Senate when it comes to the election of pro-life judges, etc. I like the way you put it, uh, that he's pro-death. And, and that's uh, essentially, I ran across uh, uh, a thing where the, he describes himself as a pro-choice pastor and that uh, he gets crowded in the, in the doctor's room between the... Uh, the lady, the doctor, and the government, and it's almost like saying that uh, no matter what we do, it's it's crowded. It's crowded in a bank robbery. When when the law says that it's wrong to to rob a bank, and the guy's a thief, and he's trying to rob the, the banker himself. Yes, we as pastors are not from the pulpit to say who you are to put into election, who you are to elect. However, 
we are able to say the stances of individuals so that people can be aware of exactly when they elect someone, why things start to fall apart, particularly in the area of ethics and morality. And no wonder we're in so much trouble today when, I don't understand this, how people in Georgia can elect such an individual just because he's a pastor of ML King's church doesn't mean that what he has to say is correct. We even say that uh, against certain LCMS pastors that have had to be removed because of their various stances against doctrine. I think that's an excellent point that you're bringing out. A lot of the comments to some of the articles that are up on the Internet bring out the fact that uh, as a pastor, he didn't follow what the Word of God is, that, that it's somewhat unspeakable that uh, he should be should be talking the way that he has, uh, that we save ourselves by our works versus uh, with the Scripture telling us that God has done it through Jesus Christ. In fact, he put this Easter sermon uh, up on his website, and the reaction was so negative that he actually had to take it down. It was deleted. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, there were other websites that picked it up. And so we still have what he has to say. But even more importantly than what he has to say are some of the remarks that people have to say about what he had said. And I find well, them I got, really interesting. Well, I got a question for you, because that yes. was one of the comments that was made. Well, faith without works is dead, so he's really talking about that, isn't he? That he's talking about what? Okay, from James, it says, a comment was made by one of the, the people there, faith without works is dead. That's all he's trying to, to point out. Oh, I mean, they were in support of him? Yeah. yeah. They, they thought... They thought that that's all he was trying to say was faith without works is dead. So all he was trying to do is emphasize that. Yeah, there's no doubt he did get some defenders, and I can understand that because people want Christianity out of the, well, out of the discussion we're having today. But um, a former attorney, Jenny Ellis, tweeted that Warnick was spreading a false gospel and heresy. And that is found again and again in over, well, I, I think 42 pages of comments made uh, about what he had said, that the resurrection wasn't what saves us. What saves us is, of course, our doing good works. You must have read the abbreviated position. I stopped at 50. Oh. 50 pages. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just, um, in fact, here's a couple of comments we need to deal with. Warnick's sermon effectively elevates man above God. That's mm. fine for those who want to believe that. It is a free country. 
but it does reveal Warnock as a fraud. No big surprise there, though. We on the night already knew that, so I don't see this as a big issue. And they're talking about those on the right already knew that, and particularly during the election time. Now, I I never heard any of this uh, during the election, but maybe I wasn't following it that closely. But I guess people, boy, if he is a pastor of ML King's church, boy, he must be really good. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a a good point there about uh, uh, being being a pastor uh, and the the salvation that one one brings there from that that he's a fraud he, the fraud being that he didn't follow what the bible itself said if you're going to be a christian pastor you you need to follow what the bible says and and we've said it before scripture interprets scripture not scripture is interpreted by by mankind yes one of the comments Warnick may call himself a preacher, but when a preacher preaches against the word of God, you have to question his relationship with God. If I were a member of this church, I would have questioned him immediately after the service. If he couldn't provide a logical answer, then I would have to make a decision of whether or not I would continue to be a member of this church. But to be fair, I could never support a church that its senior pastor would allow abortion. Right. In fact, uh, there was another comment made by by uh, another person that said 20 years ago uh, they heard that kind of preaching going on in their church and left it left the church left that church and went to to a Bible believing church. Yes. Uh, another one said. Um, He preaches, but he doesn't acknowledge when he says we can work our way into heaven. That directly contradicts what Jesus said. And he has a Bible verse, John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Further support against what he said, Romans 11, 6. And if it is by grace then it is no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. He makes the claim to be a preacher, but this is showing him to be wrong on this point he made. His parishioners should study up on their own instead of taking him and his word on everything he said. Salvation is not a group thing, but it is an individual thing. And none of us will answer for what others do, but only for what each of us do. And clearly for what Christ has done for us. Right. And and a follow-up on that, there was a a couple of them that, that quoted Ephesians chapter 2. By grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So, I mean, those passages that you read, plus 
that one plus there's there's countless others that that talk about that it is not our works and and in fact you know we, we've discussed this several times on law and gospel that there's just two kinds of religion there's man-made and there's god and and where he's leading his congregation is over into a man-made religion yes um We've talked a lot about how the Bible seems to contradict itself. And one individual who wrote about this writes the following. The Bible says to work out your own salvation. And many may follow the preacher on what he says on the basis of that verse. But they forget the rest of that verse. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You are to make sure of what is stated to be biblical and true according to God's word. You only have one advocate when you are before God, and that is Jesus and not the preacher who may mislead you. Yeah, I I thought that was kind of a, a nice illustration you got your choice. You can have Jesus, who's your advocate that you must appear before, and uh, or you can choose uh, the, the preacher that's telling you falsely what the Word of God has to say. It reminds me in Corinthians, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ for the good or the bad that we did. And then you go to First John chapter 1, and you find that our advocate, our defense attorney, is Jesus. The, the courtroom is stacked in heaven with Jesus on our side. Now you wonder, where does he get these ideas from? And one of the uh, letter writers said this, no surprise, he was educated at Union Theological Seminary, which is in no way a Baptist institution. He is presently a trustee on leave from UTS, that is the Union of Theological Seminary. And the president of that seminary does not believe in heaven. For over a century, this institution has espoused transcendentalism and should be considered an arm of the woke culture. That's the false culture. So it is no surprise that Reverend Warnick slipped up and betrayed his true belief concerning Christianity. The seminary trains ministers to believe and espouse this nonsense. So that's part of our background. And wouldn't you say a lot of this rose out of the 20th century and the 19th century where where they believe that you can interpret the Bible uh, to your to your own liking, so to speak, and somewhere in there will contain the Word of God? Yes. In fact, that's a, a big thing uh, throughout all these letters. I, I would say only about 10% of the letters are in support of him, and that is because these folks are also not true believers. Now, I don't know if he's going to go to heaven or hell, but what he is preaching is definitely a message from hell. And a lot of pastors, we've often said things in sermons that maybe not correct. And the more we study, the longer we're a pastor, we can correct ourselves and this sort of thing. But this is a message 
that is absolutely contrary to the Christian faith. And it's a, a senator who thinks he's a pastor, but he's just like a woman pastor. They think they're pastors, but they really are not from God's point of view. Because to be a woman pastor or to be a pastor preaching against the resurrection is to be one who is contrary to the word of God. Right. I, I was kind of somewhat uplifted by reading through quite a few of the comments that so many of them found that there was a false word of God, that that there there are believers out there that that uh, cling to to the promises that God makes in his holy word. Yes. You know, some people get into the politics. One said, Warnick not only doesn't understand the meaning of Easter and that works can save us, but he doesn't understand the limitations the Constitution places on government. He took an oath to uphold the Constitution, but consistently votes for everything that document does not empower for the federal government to find. And so it's going or to fund. And so that's going to be up to the individual Christian to see if they agree in those areas. But in the main areas that we're concerned with from a theological point of view, namely homosexual marriage and abortion, he, as a pastor of a church, does speak in favor of those. And that that in lies for several of the comments were made that uh, what is his church doing? Are they following him or are they uh, taking time to sit down with him and explain these things? I mean, typically in a congregation where, where you believe the, the word of God is, is uh, the defining mode of your congregation. If the pastor or, or parishioner goes, goes astray, you know, it becomes our responsibility then as a church to sit down with them and correct them. Yes. Uh, somebody should tell him that being a pastor is more than just having a title. Just like there's more to being a parent than conceiving a child. How a person fulfills the role determines it. I'm not saying Warnick fits my next statement. It's the difference between a real and a false prophet's. It's why we were given a warning of false prophets, because there are going to be those who claim to be prophets who are not. And boy, did we ever find that in the Old and the New Testament, right? Right, right. It, wasn't it Luther who, who uh, they said, why didn't he pick up the sword and, and, and fight for some of these reforms and things like that? But he said he, he had more done by preaching and teaching. And praying. Well, that's taking Jesus' example from the Garden of Gethsemane. What did Peter do in the garden? I fell asleep. Oh, you mean when he picked up the sword? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yep. And that, of course, is contrary to God's word. So we need to be mm -hmm. very careful here that we're not telling you who you should or who you shouldn't be voting for. We want you to be aware that when people get elected into office, they have a particular point of view. And that view is going to make a difference in the laws that are being passed. I mean, whoever thought 
that the Supreme Court would ever legitimize the murder of children in the womb. I mean, mm. yeah, in Hitler's day, he took a certain race of people and said that they were people that could be put to death without any problem. Well, today we have that same kind of attitude saying, yeah, any child in the womb, if they get in the way of my life, in my moving ahead, I can remove them because I have control over my own body. It's important for us, you know, in, in our sermons, in our Bible classes, in, in our churches, in our witness to one another, to keep to, to in a sense, that hymn that talks about a lift high the cross of Christ cross of Christ and keeping Christ as the center focus or as you've said previously fixing our eyes on Jesus yeah so maybe those in his church or those in Georgia would write to him and explain to him truly what the Bible says about the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I'm not going to be dealing with any of his other political views that aren't clearly contrary to the scripture, but there's no doubt that he's an individual that one needs to question. Very well said. Interesting uh, comments. Okay, tomorrow's Long Gospel, Open Mic Friday. You can talk about this. Send me an email, or we've got some other items also that we have received through email. I'm Tom Baker. You listen to Myself and Wes Reimnitz, till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.